Welcome to day 22 of season two of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, Katie Kresge, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge. I actually had someone say this weekend that they missed the video of the podcast. It's hard for me to imagine, uh, but uh, we're still here, and we're all here together. We're continuing in the story of Abraham, and of course, in the bigger story of Scripture, uh, we have creation and fall and God pursuing his redemptive plan. Of course, the first place we see his redemptive plan working out is in the life of Abraham. And uh, Abraham is someone who's commended to God for his faith, far from a perfect person. Uh, we'll see before the end of the week his faith ultimately tested. Uh, but uh, we come to a very intimate scene uh, in Genesis chapter 18 where uh, the Lord appears to Abraham with, with two angels and they sit down and they share a meal together. And, of course, it reminds us of the invitation that we have in the New Testament from Jesus uh, to share a meal with him. Uh, so, great scene uh, in Genesis 18. Before we read the passage and talk about it a little bit, as always, we uh, we come to Scripture in reverence because it is um, it's God-breathed. Mm-hmm. It's a gift that God has given us in which he reveals his works, his words, his deeds, and which draws us into greater affection to him. We don't fall in love with the heroes in Scripture because the ultimate hero is the God who rescues us. So as we come, we prepare our hearts to meet him, to know him, and to be transformed by him. So, David, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. And Father, we do thank you so much for the gift of your word. We thank you that it is living and active and in and that it meets us where we are. And so, Father, we do ask that you would meet us through your word now. Um, help us to behold the, the wonderful truths of your word. Help us to, to marvel at, at this wonderful drama of Scripture playing out. And help us, most importantly, to, to see and behold and be refreshed and renewed in Christ as we see all of Scripture pointing to him. And so we ask that you would do that great work through your spirit um, for your glory um, and for our joy. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord God appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre. While he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf, and he gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife will have a son. Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am too old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the point of time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. 
when the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I'll go down to see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, Now I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I'll not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, Now that I've been so bold to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. Lord, if in his speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. An interesting, uh, an interesting passage all the way around. We have obviously the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah going up, you know, to the Lord, and him, you know, going down to see. Mm-hmm. And it's not as if you know God in heaven did not realize, you know, the exact state of what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. But we have. You know, kind of this incarnational tendency that we find in God where he, he enters into the human situation. And, and of course, we'll see the incarnational tendency at its, you know, at its peak in the person of Christ as he becomes one of us or as he takes on uh, our, our flesh and dwells among us. Mm-hmm. And so there's a really nice, you know, nice picture of uh, what we have already kind of seen you know, from the Genesis uh, account of God, you know, walking with His people and fellowship with His people, and of course, this is a great expression of fellowship, sharing a, a meal together, uh, mm. as they do. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Last time we heard that phrase, you know, "Let us go down to see." We see yeah. the Tower of Babel, where God, you know, kind of mockingly, they're building this tower up to heaven that's so big, you know, build a tower to the heavens that God has to come down to see it. You know, but but in that moment when God comes down, He comes down, you know, in judgment. And again, that that's what we're seeing, and we will see here is, you know, it's not that God has to come down to see what's already happening, you know, but it is. You're exactly right of, of God, this incarnational where He enters into, you know, into our moment in, in a sense, and, yeah. and He He comes and and you love. I mean, the kind of the the interaction between 
you know, God and Abram in this moment, or Abraham in this moment, where they're working through, you know, mm-hmm. God, it's like God's allowing Abraham to enter in further and further into his it's character. It's almost as if Abraham is buying a car from God. Negotiating. <laughs> yeah. so can we just take the can interest rate down? Yeah. yeah. Say I had $5,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, a, it, and this is, you know, and obviously God is present, you know, when, you know, one of the themes in scripture is God is present. Uh, both to bless and to, and to judge, and it's depending on the situation. So he's present with Abraham and Sarah in, in order to extend a, a blessing. Yeah. And, and of course, you have this beautiful you know, picture of hospitality. Is uh, you know, it, not quite sure when it clicks. You know, with Abraham, who he's talking with, uh, but there's something extraordinary about these three from the beginning. Right. And so he runs and he bows low, which. Probably in the ancient world, given his wealth and given his status, mm-hmm. most visitors would have come into his presence and bowed low. But he recognizes, you know, something you know extraordinary here, and of course he does the same thing that happens, you know, in Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. He kills the fatted calf and mm-hmm. he gives them, you know, water for their feet and he gives them, you know, the curds and, and the milk. And while they're enjoying the feast, he, he stands by, taking the place of a servant. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of significant. Uh, a lot of significant images that are taking place here. And you'd have to think, even maybe the author of Hebrews maybe even has this scene in mind as he as he tells his audience, you know, many years down the road, do not neglect to show hospitality for in so doing some of you might entertain angels, which is exactly what we Abraham's know, We know of at least one, here. one situation where someone <laughs> showing and hospitality. And entertain them well. I mean, one of my footnotes says when he's calling for this flower, he's calling for like maybe over 30 pounds of, of bread to be made. I mean, what a... Which is just really awesome. Yeah. Wow. In, what an in extravagant In a day right? when we count our yeah. carbs so <laughs> fastidiously, it's good to, good to go back to the old days when you could have 30 pounds of bread anytime you wanted uh, the to. the good old testament. I mean, I I think it's interesting how long this would have taken. This is a this seems to be like a long process, right? I mean, they had to he selected a calf and then they had to prepare it and cook it. So, I feel like these you know these three visitors, um, if you want to call them angels and God, I don't know <laughs> if there's a clear answer there, but um, uh, there is a clear answer. Oh, tell us. The two are called angels and God is called Lord. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so that they're 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 probably spent all day there. I would think, right? No, it does speak. You know, you know, probably I guess the equivalent is you know if you came over to my house and. Um, said, hey, why don't you stay for dinner? We've got a couple of steaks in the, in the refrigerator. So we go to the refrigerator, and, and, and you're going to take, you know what, you know, 30 or 40 minutes you know, to get that done. This is, this is much longer. We live in a very rapid you know, kind of culture where mm-hmm. you know, to do a meal is kind of a 15-minute kind of thing where we run through a drive-thru and you know, took something down on the way to our next <laughs> activity. But this also um, speaks to the quality of slowing down in order to know people and to share you know your wealth and your riches and your bounty with people and to be in fellowship with people which is something something that we miss in our culture we're so rapidly moving you know from one place you know to the other i find it interesting that sarah wasn't um with them so is that a do you think that might be a cultural thing or do you think she was kind of hiding away like not choosing not to be with them it would have been a cultural you know convention you know in the same way you have Abraham standing off, waiting on them. You have uh, 
Uh, you know, it, it was not natural, you know, in, in, in this culture at this time for women to interact with men, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in a familiar way. Mm-hmm. And so she's you know, taking her proper place. Abraham's taking, you know, her proper place according to the social convention, mm-hmm. you know, of the day. You know, the other thing I love about this chapter is just the emphasis on on what God continues to do and the fulfillment of the promise and also the outworking of the promise, both in um, not only in God's you know desire and, and He's able, He's capable to fulfill it, and He is fulfilling it. But also, Abram, you know, Abraham also as the outworking of this promise. And so you see God show up, and He says, you know, you're going to have the child, and Sarah's laughing, you know, no way. And I mean, you get that. I, I love even what she points to. She doesn't point to the fact that she's barren, you know. And she's like, we're too old now, you know. <laughs> yeah. As if there's another obstacle in the way that will prevent and the Lord from have fulfilling this His promise. Mm. But then also with, um, you know, Sodom is Abraham, you keep, we keep getting this note that Abraham's going to be uh, the blessing, you know, to the nations, that mm-hmm. all the nations will be blessed through him. And, and you're watching that kind of, uh, the outworking of it as he's interceding, you know, for Sodom in this moment is you're watching this, this kind of promise of, you know, the nations will indeed be blessed through this line. And, and you're watching that kind of play out a little bit as and, well. And you hear a bit of the echo of you know, what Jesus shared with his disciples in the upper room. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. For a servant does not know, you know, what his master is up to. And here you have God bringing Abraham because of his relationship with Abraham into his confidence. Mm-hmm. And again, a beautiful picture of uh, intimacy, incarnation. You know, God's involvement. You know, not his distance from his people, but his involvement with his people. And of course, the invitation. You know that we have as well to know his heart and to know his will and uh, you know to pursue it and walk in intimate fellowship with him so it's a wonderful uh, you know rehearsal of the abrahamic covenant abraham will surely become a great and powerful mm-hmm. nation and all the nations on the earth will be blessed with him for i have chosen him a great little word of election uh, not because of who he is, but because of my sovereign choice, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. And, and of course, this is this is our call from uh, Genesis one to reflect God's heart and character and to steward His resources for His glory and for the joy of the others. And it's enlarged here, you know, quite a bit uh, to keep the way of the Lord. What a great mm-hmm. phrase mm-hmm. to keep the way of the Lord to be like Him. And, and then, of course, you see that in righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring about for Abraham the blessing that he promised. So walking in God's word, walking in God's way, walking in fellowship with him is walking in God's blessing. It's a, a very interesting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, in all of this bargaining, <laughs> down the ten. Uh, did God uh, actually change his mind? <laughs> no. No, not at all. He, invited, uh, he invites Abraham to... Uh, to wrestle with his own doubts and anxieties and he proves himself you know very true and of course the question you know that abraham asked will not the judge of all the earth do what is just and right and the answer is indeed he will Mm -hmm. matter of fact his mercy is great Uh, for the sake of 50 uh, i would spare Mm -hmm. the city for the sake of 45 i would spare the city for the sake of 40 for the sake of 30 for the sake of 20 for the sake of 10 and uh, you do get the you know kind of the sense that you have you know from the psalmist psalmist how righteousness exalts a nation and how you know god's people are salt and light 
the numbers are not necessarily with us, but the power of the gospel is with us and the impact that we can have, as Paul would say, on a crooked and depraved generation as we shine like lights. Mm. And uh, so what a wonderful invitation of the gospel. So much more we could do in this passage, and so much more I'd like to do, but uh, as usual, we're, we're out of time. Uh, so Katie, do you mind closing us mm-hmm. with a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this time and your word together. Um, thank you for being so gracious as to um, enter into um, time and space to um, to be close to your people and um, to invite us into what you're doing. Um, thank you for this example of, of that um, that we get to read here and um, that you have continued to do it and you ultimately did it in Jesus and um, well, what what graciousness um, what generosity that you've shown us and um, so Father I pray that you would use this passage to um, continue to shape us and um, God that you would remind us that nothing is too hard for the Lord um, and that you will accomplish your purposes when you set out to do so um, and so would you help us to trust you to accomplish the purposes you will and continue to walk with you daily. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.